This is episode 98 of The Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlotte Gilkey. Thanks so much for joining me today. In today's episode, Lisa Robin Young and I discuss the post she wrote for Productive Flourishing on the three types of creative entrepreneurs. Even if you don't consider yourself creative or an entrepreneur, this is worth a listen because we're really talking about the different modes of creativity and why it's important to lean into the kind of creative that you are. And by the way, if you're human, you are creative. There's also a discussion happening about this in the Creative Giant Campfire, our free Facebook group. Come join us there if you'd like to stand tall together with other creative giants. You can find it by searching Creative Giant Campfire on Facebook. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. If you're struggling to keep up with processing your email, SaneBox might be just the tool you need. It has saved me hours of time each month, and the amount of peace of mind I get from it is priceless. SaneBox sorts through your email and moves all of the trivial stuff into a different folder, so the only messages in your inbox are the ones you actually want to see. Aside from removing all of the junk so you can focus on the messages that matter, there's this great feature called the black hole. Move an email into that folder and you'll never hear from the sender again. One and done. Just how we like it. Because email can be such a bear and keep you from finishing the stuff that matters, we worked out a great deal for our listeners. Visit sanebox.com forward slash giant and they'll throw in an extra $25 credit on top of the two-week free trial. You don't have to enter the credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's really nothing to lose. Again, that's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com forward slash giant. Hello, Creative Giants. I'm delighted to introduce you to Lisa Robin Young. Lisa is the founder of Arc Entertainment Media, a business incubator for creative entrepreneurs. She's helped sales professionals, best-selling business authors, actors, musicians, and other creatives make good money doing what they love and have the time and money to enjoy their lives in the process. An award-winning speaker, writer, and musician, Lisa penned the international business bestseller, The Secret Watch. Her latest solo project, The Fine Line, is a collection of pop-infused jazz and blues tunes recorded as part of her 300 Songs project. As you can tell, Lisa herself is a creative giant and has her hands in a lot of different pots. Lisa believes that the best way to be truly successful in life and business is to be yourself, warts, sparkles, and all, so you can own your dreams without selling your soul. Lisa, thanks so much for the work that you've done around the creative entrepreneur spectrum, um, sharing that post on productive flourishing and, um, you know, having this conversation with me today. It's been really fascinating to see people's conversations and reactions in the Creative Giant Campfire about this. And, you know, we might get into a little bit more there, but just thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure entirely. I could talk about this for hours. I love it. Great. So let's bring everybody into the conversation. Let's first talk about what problem you noticed. It's kind of like me with the Creative Giants thing. Noticed a problem, had to develop language to talk about it. But then how that unfolded there. Yeah. So this was really a personal business problem for me. 
I had been working for about 10 years in the internet marketing space with a wide variety of clients. I mean, startups, brand new people, multi-million dollar business owners, like the gamut. And I had built sort of a name for myself in the direct selling industry, coaching and supporting direct sellers. But other people started showing up in my sphere of influence and I couldn't get clear on who my target market was. And my business was suffering because of it because my message was everywhere. It was all over the map and I was hurting for business. And so taking the solid business advice that I teach my people, you got to have a clear market to serve. I looked at all the different people I had been working with and what I had been doing for these people. And I'm like, I don't, there's no clear. Ah. And so that frustration led me to take sticky notes and as I explained in the post, basically just write out all the different tasks that I did for all these different people and what they had originally come to me for in the first place, because a lot of times I ended up doing other things beyond what they had originally come to me for, because I have a varied and wide diverse skill set. So as I've got all these sticky notes laying all over the place, I start sorting, just trying to make sense of them. One of the gifts that I have as a fusion, which we can talk more about that, is that I spot patterns. You know, that's a very linear trait, but fusions can really take it on. And so I'm sifting through hundreds of sticky notes that finally become like 70 piles and then the 70 become 30. And ultimately I get it down to these two very general piles of creative entrepreneurs who are very chaotic on one side and very linear on the other. But the problem with this was I still had this handful of people that didn't really fit either category. And I was one of those people. I'm like, I had been taught and I believed that as a business owner, particularly one who is coaching and providing consultative services, that I was often a characteristic of my own target market. And so I'm like, well, if I don't fit in either one of these categories, there is something wrong here. And so for me, I sat with it and I sat with it and I'm like, well, you know, I kind of fit over here and I kind of fit over here and I kind of like them both equally and I kind of hate them both equally. And I'm like, well, what if there's this third category? And that's how fusion piece of the spectrum kind of came into being. And I'm like, well, let's make sure I'm not just trying to fit the data to my own needs let's let's use that linear side of my brain and go research and go talk to the other people in this pile and see if they also resonate the same way and it turned out that they did and that's how the creative entrepreneur type spectrum came um, from what was originally two poles the very chaotic to the very linear to this third category that's firmly rooted right in the middle these fusion types who equally love and equally hate depending on the day the two different polar extremes. Great. And so um, to give people a simple framework for sort of understanding this, she's using the word chaotic. We have to be careful sometimes because chaotic can sound negative, right? So it's a, it's a broken model. We know this, this left hemisphere, right hemisphere brain model that like left brain and right brain doesn't really work that much anymore. Right. Well, and it's been proven that it's not an accurate depiction of how the brain works. Exactly. And, but just for sake of simplicity, right. Right. Let's let's put linear over on the left brain in the old model, right. And chaotic over in the right brain. And then what we're now starting to call integrated minds, right. Of this, this, the whole brain model, the whole brain. Right. And, 
so um, it's still, I'm, I'm just going to do a quick plug here. It's still a good read to go back and read Dan Pink's um, A Whole Mind or A Whole New Mind, right? Um, it, it does use the left, right brain hemisphere sort of language, but it at least, I think, has people start thinking about how to become more integrated and how, and how these processes work. So just for a quick framework, left-brained, linear, right-brained, chaotic, in the middle, fusion. Yes. Um, but let's talk about the cusp um, areas real quick. So people um, can, we, we'll, we'll make it simple and then we'll make it a little bit more complex. Yeah. The, there are three primary types, the chaotic, the linear, and the fusion. But then there are these people who are close and they're close enough to the middle that it's important to identify them. And these are our cusp types. They are primarily linear or primarily chaotic, but they demonstrate enough fusion tendencies that it can be very difficult for them to stay connected to and identify with the linear realm or the chaotic realm in, you know, solely or independently. Someone who is a chaotic, they're like, oh, I am so chaotic, it is me. Someone who is linear often doesn't even identify as a creative. It takes them a little bit of time to go, oh, that's how I am creative. Okay, I can see that now. Um, but they very much identify as linear. Those cuspy people are like, well, they lean on their preference of linear or chaotic, but then when they really need to pull it out, you know, maybe they're much more outgoing or they're much more um, stream of consciousness in their thought patterns for a linear type. And that's how these cusps were developed. Cool, cool. So you you know the results of my uh, of my assessment and, and things like that. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But you thought I was somewhere different, and I'm just curious of why. Well, like so many judge a book by its cover kinds of situations, a person will present in a particular way, in a particular set of circumstances, and when they do that consistently, we develop an expectation. I mean this applies across the board. We're not just talking about business. I'm not just talking about this assessment test, but every time I had heard Charlie Gilligan, and you and I didn't even know each other until I started talking about this assessment, mm -hmm. but we had friends in common. And every time I heard Charlie, I heard planners and, and strategy and very linear constructs that made me say, Charlie Gilkey equals linear. Not having been on your blog, not having really heard much of your story other than the word of mouth that had come from other chaotic types that I knew, mm -hmm. other fusion types that I knew who were very much, oh, his planners are the bomb and he gets you organized. And I'm like, okay, those are very linear things. So I'm like, Charlie's a linear. And he's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, well, take the quiz. And so he did. And he's not, he's a fusion type, which makes me happy because I'm a fusion too. So. Yeah. And so um, I highly recommend you take the test. We'll link up to the, to the post in the show notes so you can read more about this. But you know, the other thing that we discovered is that there are a lot of other creative giants who identify as fusions as well. And so um, that's, that's just one of those things. And I think it's part of that trait of being a creative giant or a Renaissance soul or multi-potential. Like there's a lot of words floating around that are saying similar things is that um, to be successful at doing that, you have to be able to balance these different modalities. You have to be, you know, creatively chaotic in a way. You have to be linear in a way for, to be able to manage, I think that spectrum. You can, I think you can be, um, let me let me put it this way. I don't. I'm, I'm, I might recant that because I can <laughs> see one being multi-talented in a lot of creative endeavors, but not picking up enough of the linear side 
right? Not being a fusion in that Right. Way. And that's, that's the thing that makes a fusion distinctive from some of those other phrases like scanners. We had a conversation in the group about, you know, how is this different from being a scanner? And I actually talked with Barbara Sher a little bit about this as I was developing this because they didn't want it to be like, oh, this is Lisa reinventing the wheel here and just slapping a new label on something. What makes these fusions different? And, and the thing about fusions is that, well, the whole spectrum is based on your preference, not um, necessarily what you're good at. Because you can be really good at something because you've done it for years. I am a great filer. I was a secretary. I do it really well. Hate it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hate it. Um, don't give it to me because I don't want to do it. I, I don't like the number crunching in many respects, but there are some things like money reports, financials. I'm like, I am all in those, those numbers. Those numbers are sexy to me. So there's a preference and that's what this spectrum looks at. And so for fusions, they have an equal preference or relatively equal preference for the chaotic type endeavors as well as the linear type endeavors. And you can be successful as any type. The key is when you, when you get clear on what your type is, hone in on that genius and, and do it like nobody's business and find somebody else to support you with the stuff that's not in your wheelhouse because that other stuff's going to drive you nuts. Yeah. I mean, as I was taking it, like, and I tried not to take the assessment knowing that I was going to be a fusion, but I'd already read it. It's like, I'm a fusion. I know this is going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, you know, still answered honestly and like what comes up for me and, you know, surprise, I'm a fusion. Um, but that's also this I particular thing about me, like on the Myers Brig, I'm mostly in the middle. Um, for most of the things, I'm going to be mostly balanced, right? And it's a curse. Mm-hmm. But it's also a blessing in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Because I don't have that extreme sort of thing. Um, but when I read it, it kind of reminded me of um, I'm also an Enneagram Nine, right? And so, um, in another podcast in another galaxy far, far away, we'll talk <laughs> about the Enneagram. But one of the things about the Enneagram Nines is that they have they are the ones that have the most. Um, representation of the others. Like you can take on the qualities and traits of other things so quickly and it can be really, really hard to identify as a nine sometimes Um, because you're like, well, sometimes I'm a three and then sometimes I'm a six and then sometimes I'm a seven. And then like, it really depends on whom I'm around. And then you go and it's like, wait, that's kind of where it goes. And so I would say that probably um, as a fusion, I can't speak for all fusions, but maybe you can speak for more. I, I think the challenge is knowing those limits of when you need which modality that, yes. that you currently don't have. Cause there will be some times where like you, I'm hyper analytic. Um, give me trends. You give me patterns. You give me things like that. I will go crazy and I'll come up with a matrix like nobody's business. Right. Um, and then there are other times where I'm super creative. Right. And you know, super like all in that space. And I need some structure on the other side, which is largely why I end up creating the planners, right? The planners, people think, um, that I made the planners because I'm just like this super uber, like I care about it. That's what it's like. No, I have to get my energy in certain containers to make it make sense. Otherwise, I'm a chaotic and nothing gets done, right? Um, and so that's where these things come from, not from like, I'm not a designer. I'm not, well, I can't say that. Now I'm a designer. I wasn't when I started. Right. Right. Um, right. So talk about ways, I'm imagining that many of the people listening to this show and many people in the audience are going to be fusions, but let's talk about how to sort of notice um, that mode switching and being aware of the support that you need as long when you're doing your creative projects. 
Well, for a fusion type, when, when you start to feel frustration, fatigue, um, like you're banging your head against a wall, that's generally a big red flag that you, you're not tapping into the other latent gifts that you have on the other side of the spectrum. It, you can get very numbers focused and in, in, in deep in the details of the linear side of your brain. And at some point, you have nothing left to give there. And if you continue to persist, it's like, you know what? I just need to step away and do some coloring for a little while. That will, that will help, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and you can go to the other end of the spectrum, obviously, and spend all of your time. I know the, there are stories about Beyonce when she's in the studio. She can go 48 hours and never have an eat a thing. And she's still recording and still recording and still recording. Um, yeah, your body's going to get out at some point. You know, you can be as passionate as you want to be about your art, but at some point, your body or your mind, your spirit is going to be like, okay, too much, enough, enough, enough. We got to go, we got to reel things back in. So for me, what I have done is um, I've integrated practices in my day already. So I start my day with um, a sacred practice that gives me that connection to the chaotic and then I, the next thing on my day is something that's more linear so that I, I've already constructed a day that includes a bit of each so that I'm not feeling like I'm putting all my eggs in my linear basket today. Um, and I find that when I'm coaching other clients, if they start to structure their day so that they have some of that give and take as well, um, they find that they're not so depleted at the end of the day and that they actually sometimes even have more energy to give because they've kind of equally distributed it through the day. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, you know, there's a post I wrote a long time ago called create and connect and consume, right? Which is really about balancing those different energies. And obviously a fusion is going to talk about balance, but I think what we find is that people, spend way too much time in the creative mode. And then it's like their tank, their inspirational tank and their social tank is not full enough. And then they get stuck or they go into consumptive mode and then they get, you know, creative constipation because they haven't created anything and they've got all these ideas in them. Or you go into social overload where you're around a bunch of people and like you're overstimulated and it's the wrong type of nourishment and you're not creating. And so, you know, I, I, I really appreciate you bringing up the balanced morning routine because mine is like that as well. Like there's the meditation, which is really free form because if it's overstructured, I'll resist it. Right. Uh, and then, you know, there's while coffee is making that on my plate, little guitar. Right. So it's always sort of balancing those energies um, because that's where the best stuff happens. Now, um, if we can, let's go through a quick sort of strengths and advantage or strengths and disadvantages for each one. And we'll start with linear and go from linear to chaotic. Right. So linear. Sure. Linears um, have a wonderful gift for pattern finding. They are um, exceptionally good with the number side of things. You know, they can spot those kinds of trends. Um, these are your inventors and innovators, you know, the Elon Musks of the world. I mean, these are the guys who, um, you know, the Warren Buffetts, they have a niche that they're very good at in a very singular razor sharp focus on that type of innovation. Um, doesn't mean they can't do some of the other things, but I mean, they find, they find the razor's edge of that piece of their world and they're on it. And they know that that's the thing they do well. They're thought leaders. So that, that's kind of their gift. 
the, the Achilles heel or the blind spot, as I like to call them, the blind spot of the linear is they can get very results oriented, overly results oriented and forget that, hey, there are other people involved in this project. Oh, and I'm a people too. And, and I need to take care of me, not just drive to the results. Um, results are important because without results, you don't have forward progress. But if you become so wrapped up in a result, um, the other pieces, the humanity of your business or your creative endeavor gets lost. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's, the, that's the look at, you know, the highlights and lowlights, if you will, of, of being a linear. Fusions have this really interesting issue because they're good at so many things. Um, they, they are usually quick studies. They get along well in a lot of different circles. They can have huge social circles, but they can also feel like the odd man out. Like, oh, I'm the smart one in my creative group of friends. I'm the creative one in my smart group of friends, you know, and I, I kind of, I'm kind of on the edges of all the conversations and I can, you know, hold my own in any of them, but I don't really have a spotlight. And, and that's also the downfall to a lot of fusions because they're so good at so many different things. A lot of times they see their friends that are more chaotic or more linear and they get stuck in comparisonitis and perfectionism. Well, I'm not as creative as Julie. I'm not as linear as Peter. So I'm not good enough. And what they miss is they're the only one who has this unique blend of all of that stuff, which makes them uniquely awesome in their own right, because they can. Fusions make excellent employees for people who need to bridge the gap from one side of the, you know, creative extreme to the other. So for a chaotic who really needs to understand the number of stuff in their business, but just, I don't want it. I eschew it. Let me get away from it. Hiring a fusion helps them speak the language without going nuts. Mm -hmm. So that's a great gift that fusions can give to both sides of the spectrum. But oftentimes they're so stuck in paralysis over comparisonitis and and perfectionism that they don't get off the stick. And so they spend years kind of bumping into walls, sort of doing stuff, but never really shipping. Yeah. I'm going to slide this in right here because fusions, creative giants, that, that matrix of people, um, branding, whether it's personal branding or, or business branding is going to be one of the chief challenges because you're going to have so many different ways that you show up in the world. And just like what I was, we were talking about with Lisa, like, Oh, I'm you know, Charlie is linear. It's like, well, not so much actually. Right. Or in other circles be like, Oh, he's a super creative guy. And I'm like, well, no, not so much. Right. Um, I'm kind of in the middle. So just understand that as a fusion, as a creative giant, telling your story in a way that's coherent, that ties in your body of work, quick plug to Pam, Pam slam and body of work um, is going to be one of those challenges because if you're linear, you've got your thing and you're known for the thing. Right. Right. And if you're create, if you're over on the chaotic side, you're probably known for being expressive and creative and being avant-garde and all those different types of things. But if you're this fusion person in the middle, right. Uh, yes. Telling that story and realizing that, and I'm, I'm just going to say this real quick because I've, I've talked about this in other places. When we live in the world that we do, where we're so bombarded with information right now, we have an information surplus. Yes. Synthesis and assimilators are incredibly important, right? Because you're reading 80 gazillion things, but the person, the fusion that can come along and say, okay, here's the way that we're going to synthesize these three things into one thing that makes sense. Incredibly valuable for your network. 
And um, one last plug, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give it back to Lisa on that one. Recognizing that, <laughs> recognize that novelty is good, but utility is great. So sometimes, especially in creative endeavors, it's like it's got to be new and it's got to be never been done before. Um, well, there's a way in which as a fusion, um, you can make it more useful, right? You can make it easier for people to understand. You don't have to recreate or create something new. You can do it better. And, and take something and, and make it more widely accessible to people. Yeah. One of, the, one of the examples that I love to use, I am a musician, so it helps that I use musical metaphors. When I talk about fusion creatives, I love to talk about the Eagles because this is a band of, this is a super band. I mean, it's basically a super group. Each one of these artists had solo careers by themselves. They were amazing artists by themselves. But when they got together, they created something that was better than the sum of their parts, number one. But number two, they weren't all singing lead at the same time. You got four guys. Each one has their moment to sing their song, to do their thing, to be the front man. But they all work to support the whole of the group. So when I'm working with fusions, and I'm a fusion, and I had this struggle for years, like, well, am I a business coach? Do I work with direct sellers? Or am I a musician? Am I a performing artist? Am I the singing business coach? I mean, I went through all of that. And ultimately, what it came down to was, what are the three or four things that I excel at? And what's the one I'm going to lead with most of the time that still allows me to let those other three shine in their moment. And for fusion creatives who can get a handle on, you don't have to pick one thing, but you can't have 75,000 things. And you kind of have to lead with one at a time. And the other three are back there singing backup. They find success and they find it incredibly well. They actually have the greatest potential for fame and fortune of all of the different types of creatives. Yeah. So just another way to think about that as well is um, we'll use music and metaphors. I'm glad you're using that because whenever things get hard, I think of food and music. Maybe that's just me though. Um, what's your one? Hit, yeah. What's your hit song? It's not your only song. It's just your hit song, right? Right. Like, and you can have all sorts of other songs on your backlist. You can do a whole tour, but when people think of it, of you, what do you want that song to be? That is a great analogy for finding that space. Um, when we talk about what the chaotics do and how the chaotics come alive, chaotics, as you alluded to right at the beginning, that can seem like or sound like a very, you know, negative connotation. Well, they're kind of all over the map. And that's not what chaotic necessarily means. When, when I'm talking about someone who is a chaotic type, they don't have a linear point A to point B kind of thought process. Generally, they're more stream of consciousness it doesn't mean that they're not organized. It doesn't mean that they don't have systems. It means they don't call them systems. They're rituals or their habits. Mm -hmm. And when they can find those grooves that work for them, that's when they have the most success for themselves. Um, these are the Katy Perry's and Lady Gaga's of the world. You know, they're, they're, they're icons in the thing that they do. They're known for that thing. It doesn't mean they don't have other talents because Tony Bennett, an amazing musical artist, is also a painter. You know, he's got a whole second career. Henri Matisse was an amazing painter. And when he got arthritis in his hands, he started doing paper cutouts and had an amazing second career. So it's not that you 
don't do other things. It's that those things that you do typically come from a place of passion and serving and creating an experience. And it's that experience that drives the vision, the, the output, the production of whatever it is you're doing. So you can be an author, you can be a singer, you can be a dancer. These are the people who are traditionally considered as creatives, but not always exclusively considered as creatives. And so the, the blind spot for these people is that they can get so caught up in trying to create the experience and having it look and feel exactly the way they want it to, that they then forget that, oh, hey, this is a business. <laughs> it's going to make some money. And if it doesn't, then it's not a business. And it can look and feel and, and, and people can be like, wow, that was amazing. But at the end of the day, if you're in the hole, you're not going to be able to create another experience like that. And, and I remember the story that I read about um, Lady Gaga wanting so desperately to work with Arthur Fogel, who's like the greatest tour promoter in the his modern history of rock concerts, that she took every penny she had and plowed it into creating this tour experience just to show him what she was capable of to get him to even give her the time of day. She dropped millions of dollars on this tour and it could have totally bombed. Fortunately for Lady Gaga, it didn't. And Arthur Fogel said, hey, you're pretty awesome. Let me start doing your tours. But it could have just as easily gone the other way. But that's the kind of risk that chaotics are willing to take in pursuit of their vision and the experience that they're trying to create with their creative great work. Yeah, so something that's coming up for me as far as thinking about the spectrum, because in some ways you've mentioned both linears and chaotics are icons in their industries, right? And there also can be innovators and things like that. So, you know, as I've been thinking about this more, it's like, okay, over what we typically see is over on the linear side, you see incremental innovation more so than you see disruptive innovation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And over on the chaotic side, you see much more disruptive innovation. Um, trying new things, really, really risky, not necessarily building upon what's been there before, right? right. Um, and they both have their advantages and disadvantages. We're not going to really talk about innovation today and the, and the differences, but that's something to think about because I think, again, what I wanted to pull out here for the entire spectrum of people is knowing which end of the spectrum or, or sort of what your affinity is. Yeah. Um, the, the power of that is owning it and leaning into it. Um, yes. And it's, it seems like you're coming from a very strengths-based approach, like strengths-based, you know, um, coaching or strengths-based methodology that says, if you've got a strength, like lean into that strength more so than trying to cover your weaknesses, right? Right. Um, right. And so pick that up. And so that's just what we're trying to say is if you're chaotic, like be a chaotic, don't try to learn how to be a linear, but partner with linears, right? Um, no, God, no. Don't partner with a linear because you'll go insane. Partner with a fusion. So. Partner with a fusion or partner with somebody on the cusp because they can speak your language and they can translate linear concepts into something that you as a chaotic can use. Mm -hmm. and, and vice versa, if you're linear, don't go trying to partner with a chaotic, at least not unless you've had a lot of experience doing it because same reason you'll go nuts. You'll be like, I do not understand the language this person is speaking. And they're going to be like, well, yeah, I'm just doing what you tell me to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And find just like this thing called a deadline. Yeah. Navigate the things that aren't in your wheelhouse so that you can have more peace of mind and really focus on what you do best. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, and 
recognize that, um, you know, for instance, I, we, we talk a lot about creatives being flakes, right? Known to not hit, be able to hit a deadline and not be able to deliver on spec, right? Just it's known, right? But it's known because that's coming very much from the linear side of things. This has a certain output, like it's got to be done by this day, so on and so forth, right? Yeah. But we also have the same sort of stories that we tell about linears where it's like, oh, they, you know, they're not going to come up with anything original. Like there's a bunch of number crunching, being counting, like lack of imagination people, right? And so yes. you can even see where these um, stereotypes are coming from. And so just recognize that, yes, if we pick the um, less... Um, the less charitable versions of I, of any of the stereotypes, you're always going to be able to say something like that. But when you pick the icons or the models and say, actually that person is really, really successful and they got something they want, then I think is where you can get some purchase when you're building up your success pack. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I most enjoy um, about being a fusion is being exposed to that wide variety of, you know, sitting with a linear, like, Les McCune, and if you're going to do a plug, so am I, predictable success, amazing, amazing mm-hmm. construct, synergist, that whole, that whole body of work coming out of this very linear, incubator-driven accountant guy mm-hmm. with a great sense of humor, and to be able to see how his linear mind works and how he implements and executes, and then to be able to take that in, and as you said earlier, you know, find a way to make that useful for the chaotic side of the world who would never crack open his book and be like, oh my gosh, this is gold. And to be able to say, okay, but here are the things you need to understand about how a business comes up in the world. Mm-hmm. And how can we apply that to your business? And vice versa. To see someone who is so creative and, and painting beautiful glyphs of artwork. I have a client right now in Norway who, she's a phenomenal artist, fine artist. And she's just learning, like, these are the business constructs and this is how to make this thing profitable and do it in a way that doesn't suck her soul dry and gives her excitement and joy to be able to get up in the morning. Well, that's all stuff that I learned from my linear world and vice versa. So to, to, to be able to bridge that gap for people and, and for people to be able to find ways that work for them, that's, that's what juices me up. I mean, to be able to say, Everybody in this world comes with a unique set of gifts that the world needs. And if you're not sharing them, not only are you robbing yourself, you're chipping us because we need you. We need what you've got. And if you're sitting there in the corner going, oh, I don't understand this number stuff or that creative stuff's just not my bag, then we're missing out, which causes you to miss out. And so to be able to say, all right, well, let me see what I can do to help and see that light bulb come on for people. It's like, oh, more good stuff in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has something to give and everybody has something to get. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the fundamental of it. And, and though we have um, our society that loves to push us to the poles for different reasons, right? They love to push you to the linear side, be an accountant. It's safe. Get an MBA. It's safe. Right. Go into business. It's safe or whatever that might be. Or we're on the creative cowboy side or cowgirl side, like do your thing and be a rogue and make something new and all those types of things. Society loves to push to poles. Um, it's easy to understand, but there's this spectrum, five different types that we've talked about today, right? Yeah. Where you might be. And, you know, the key takeaway is do you in the way that is your preference to do you? And um, one last topic that I want to talk about, and, and I want to be clear, we, we've mentioned this as the creative entrepreneur spectrum. You can also just see it as the creative spectrum, 
right? The, the creative type spectrum um, for branding reasons. I, I you know, um, I assume that Lisa's gone creative entrepreneur, great reasons to do so. But as we talk about business success and getting it like the same principles apply um, for independent or excuse me, for employed creative and knowledge, knowledge workers. And so um, you just change the context a little bit. So it's yeah, definitely, but what happens is, and cause this has happened when people have shared with um, have responded to the creative giants post and they're like, you know, I feel super seen by this, but what it's made me realize is I'm in the wrong job, right? I'm in the wrong career. Um, and you know, I imagine you might have that come up for you as people take it and they recognize it. Wait a second. I'm a creative type. I'm a chaotic type, but I'm an accountant. I'm in the wrong career. Um, what, what would you say to someone who comes with, to you with that sort of problem? Well, the interesting thing is I actually interviewed, because I've been interviewing entrepreneurs for about a year now uh, for this book that I'm working on. And I actually had a woman who did a linear career her entire life because that was what would pay the bills and that would get her out of her tiny little seven person town in the middle of nowhere, Germany and get her out to see the world. And, and, and she made it as chaotic as she could within the confines of the work that she was doing. But at the end of the day, she was so emotionally drained. She was so just energetically not there anymore that she had to try to find other ways to fill herself up. So she could even just go on and face the next day of her job. And for her, that was dance. And so she would take a dance class. She would learn salsa, but these were not classes that had any steps or rules or requirements. We're not learning dance patterns. I'm just going to follow my partner. He's going to lead me around the floor and I am going to do what he, and then that'll be great. And when she finished her career, she went into full-time Latin dance and she said, but I still, I don't take lessons. I don't, I just dance with my partner and we move around the floor and it feels good. So there's two things. When someone comes to me and says, holy crap, I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing and it's killing me. And for some people, it really can physically bring them to the point of death or near death. Um, Jonathan Fields is a great example of a guy who was in a job that was killing him and mm-hmm. moved on. Um, when someone comes to me like that, the first thing I tell them is, okay, this doesn't have to be all or nothing. Most of the time, it does not have to be all or nothing because all or nothing can be very... Uh, dangerous territory, tricky to navigate for someone. It's like, screw it. I'm leaving and I'm never coming, never looking back. And then take this job and shove it becomes, Oh, in this economy, now I've been unemployed for eight years, you know? So what I always encourage someone to do is what do you have now that you can work with? What are the confines within which you can do something? Take the first step and see what shows up for you. If it's, literally like, no, you don't understand. If I go back to work tomorrow, I will literally collapse on the floor and die. Then maybe it's time to have a sit down with your family and say, okay, what can we do differently? Um, I know somebody who just went through that, who, you know, their husband had been working in a job that he hated for decades. And finally she's like, okay, I'm going to start to do something different with my business and with the work that I'm doing so that you can back away from that and walk away from that and go pursue, even just figure out what it is that you want to do. So the first thing is it's not all or nothing in most cases. So do what you can as you are able, where you are at, try to find ways to bring that 
chaotic nature into your linear accounting job. You know, maybe it's flowers on your desk. You know, maybe it's singing a song at the water cooler before you go in and sit down for the day. Maybe it's playing the radio, like whatever you can get away with that doesn't impact the negatively impact the quality of your work. Do that first, see where that takes you and see if that makes the day a bit more tolerable and make your escape plan. For those people who are ready to make the escape, then I say, what are the steps that you can take? You've got to see the path. And this is where that linear piece comes into play. You've got to see the steps before you can take them. Um, another way to put that, someone, I can't remember who said it, but you, you've got to dream before you can follow your dream. So you got to find the steps. You got to see what's the next thing to do and, and be willing to, and I'm going to say this and it's going to, it's probably going to come out in a negative way, but just understand where I'm coming from with this. Be willing to accept the consequences of the steps you take, because you can be like, I want to leave this job. It's so terrible. It's killing me. And then you leave and you're like, oh, that was not the consequence that I was wanting. And now I want to go back and I can't be willing, be, be knowledgeable about what the consequence is and be willing to accept the consequence. Um, you know, I'm in a transition right now where I'm like, well, if I have to sleep in my car, then I'm going to do it. And I'm willing to accept that consequence. I don't want it to happen, <laughs> but I'm willing to accept that as a possibility if that's what it takes to get me to where my next step is that I know I need to be. Not everybody is willing to take that step. And you got to know that. You got to know what you're willing, absolutely not willing to do. Draw the line in the sand and then everything else becomes fair game. What I would want to slide in here is you can kind of think of the, the spectrum as an overlay on top of your values. And the reason I want to pull that up is because some people have a very strong value for security. And if you have that strong value of security, it doesn't matter what type you are jumping off the edge of the cliff and hoping that it, like the parachute sort of magically appears is going to be something that's going to drive you crazy and you're going to be out of integrity. Right. And yeah. so other people have adventure and freedom and things like that. So you really have to come to some of your core values and think about what are those things that actually drive my actions, decisions, and beliefs. And then once you have those, the, the entrepreneur spectrum will tell you how to do that, right? Yes. It doesn't tell you what to do. Right. Um, and so, and the other thing that I want to slide in there is, and this is for all creatives because we have to really talk about this. You don't have to make money from your creative thing. You are not less than if you decide that you want to be a uh, part-time novelist and you want to work wherever you want to work to pay the bills and things like that, you're not less. Hallelujah. <laughs> you do not have to, you do not have to go out and start a business or a freelance writing career or something like really the goal. Remember is always thriving. It's not right. right. Entrepreneurship, right. employment, all that stuff is just a vehicle towards that. Right. And that's the reason more than anything else that I call this the creative entrepreneur type spectrum, because there are a lot people in the world who either a have an assumption that the thing that they want to do won't make them any money or b that they have to make money in order to do the thing that they love and the only qualification that i have is if the thing you're doing is the thing that you love and you want to make money doing it that makes you a creative entrepreneur otherwise you're creative because we are all Every human being on the planet, you are a creation, therefore you are creative. There is no happy medium on that. That is the way it is. It's just finding the way in which you are creative in the world 
and owning that. And you don't have to make money doing it. But if you want to, then this spectrum can give you some clarity on how, as you said, how to go about doing it in a way that works for who you are and what you bring to the world. Yes. If you are human, you are creative. It's an essential trait of being human. So um, we're going to wrap it up here. And um, it's been a fantastic conversation. But Lisa, I'm going to turn it over to you to issue the challenge or the invitation for the next step. What do you want people to do after listening to this episode? I think the number one thing to do is get clear on who you are. If that means taking the quiz, take the quiz. Please take the quiz. You can find it on my website. And um, get self-aware. Because my platform is very much the idea that until you know who you are, you know, I love Simon Sinek, but you don't start with why, you start with who. When you're clear on who you are and what matters to you in the world as a creative entrepreneur, then you can share your why. Then you can go out and do the things that really matter and draw in the audience that wants what you have to offer. So get self-aware by whatever means necessary. Do that. That's the challenge that I would put out because once you know who you are, the rest is so much easier. We philosophers have been saying for thousands of years, the first step is know thyself. Everything Absolutely. else follows. <laughs> Lisa, thanks so much for joining me today. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a fantastic conversation. My pleasure entirely. Thank you. Okay, Creative Giants. I hope you've enjoyed today's lesson. It's helped you tap into how you want to show up in the world as a creative giant. So remember, the first step is to know yourself, know who you are. Um, I would encourage you to um, head over to the post. We'll link it up and take the, read more about this. Take the quiz and figure out how to weave your affinity into um, the projects that you have and the goals that you want to achieve. And until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.